Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you uh, truly, Lord. Um, man, just for another year. And God, I know uh, there are people uh, in this room today that are carrying burdens, Lord, that are, that are hurting, that are struggling that are wrestling through some of the messiness that life can bring sometimes. And I just pray, God, that you would meet them where they're at. And, Lord, that you would draw them close to you and remind them that your word is true, your love is true, even, even in those times, even during those times. And I just pray that, uh, man, uh, no matter what, whether they, they ever come back again, it's their first time or whether this is their home, that they would walk out of here knowing uh, just a little deeper how much you love them. And, God, I do pray that you would help me to preach your word and only your word, and I wouldn't get in the way. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Hey, welcome everyone to The Remnant. My name is Todd. I'm the pastor here. I'm really excited to see you guys. If I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, I would love to meet you afterwards. Um, I hope you felt welcomed. So, this is our first service of 2020. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I really am excited today. Could it be, you know, the joy of being with my brother and sister? Sure. Could it be the two energy drinks I drank earlier today? Sure. But either way, we're going to ride this train and see where it ends. Um, last week we talked about, believe it or not, kind of shift gears, we talked about how sometimes the end of the year is actually sort of a, can be a sad time, right? If you guys know statistically the holidays between uh, Christmas and New Year's, um, there's a lot of depression, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough time. And when you think about that, amidst, it's kind of strange, isn't it? You have all this excitement, uh, family and Christmas and gifts and celebrations, but people feel down a lot of times. And, and we kind of talked about this. I won't go through the whole thing again, but it brings sort of a weariness and a depression and a sadness. And a lot of times it's a disappointment because we tend to focus on all the things that didn't change, right? We, we start the new year out and we have these resolutions. And by the way, again, I'll say it, I don't think resolutions are bad. So don't let anybody shame you about that. Goals are good. So you have a new year and you've got these exciting things and then the end of the year comes and it's the same. Or maybe you're stuck in the same pattern of... Um, mistakes even, right? Or maybe you've got a relationship that you said, this is a year it's going to be better, on and on and on. And then the end of the year comes and our own perceived lack of movement is pretty depressing sometimes. It can make us, if you're, and I'll be honest, I'm one of those guys, I'm a very sentimental, bittersweet guy, and I have a tendency, you know, people, you've heard this phrase before, if you're, if you're looking in the future, you tend to be anxious. If you look in the past, you tend to be depressed, right? That's why God says, be in the now, because neither one of those things can you change. You know that? You can't change the past and you can't affect the future. You can't. You can do things to set up, but you don't have any control over that. So I tend to look in the past, and I'm a guy that's like, I'm a goal-driven person, and I'm like, Ugh. right? Or it's weary, it's the same thing. So we talked about the idea and the fact that God promises to help us to renew us. Did you know that? If you weren't here last week, it's in there. He says he'll renew us. We talked about how he says he'll renew our strength, he'll renew our mind, and he'll renew our spirit. I kind of view it like a reset, right? Everything's, ah, hit the reset button, start fresh. If our life is a fire, in those moments we need new wood, right? We need more fuel. We're, we're down to the embers. We need more fuel. But I don't believe that we get renewal to stop. I don't believe that God renews us just to stay stagnant. That's a waste, isn't it, in a way? I believe renewal is to prepare us to move, to go forward, to live a life of passion and impact. Now, here's the thing. This is heartbreaking to me. For most of us, we accept that the Christian life is just cold, dull, boring, um, lifeless. Now, you're not going to tell me that because you've been taught to not say that, right? But your body language, your tone, your attitude, the way you view things, it's cold, it's lifeless, it lacks passion. It feels like really the Christian life is just a set of do's and don'ts. And it's just a piece of paper, a book that tells me what not to do and what to do, and uh. That's no different than going to work, right? You go to work, and you have a set of rules. You do this, you make this. You don't do this, you don't make this. And so the grind just becomes a grind. We start to believe that this, this cooling ember, this dying fire, this, eh, that that's, that's it, right? We ask, is this it? Is this it? 
So we get confused. We're confused and haunted by the fact that this isn't what we see in the Scriptures, in the Bible. It's not. We don't see people going through the motions in the Bible. You don't. You can't go through the motions and walk on water. You hear what I'm saying? You can't go through the motions while you're fighting a giant. You can't go through the motions when you're seeing Jesus heal people. That's not a go through the motions kind of life. We see people living a vibrant, powerful, miraculous, world-altering life and faith. We see them experiencing incredible moments. Those are real things. If we say we're a Christian, that's what we say we believe, that it's real. It feels adventurous. It feels incredible. I remember, right? Do you, do you remember being old enough? Some of you have been blessed to be Christian your whole life, but when you read it for the first time, you're like, whoa, what, that happened? But because we don't feel it or see it or experience it in our daily lives, we begin to believe that's just how it is. That was for them, not for us. That was then, not now. That was for the old times when God still moved. So this is it. I'll go to church. I'll smile. I'll say that I enjoy going to church. I'll come up with excuses for when I don't. I'll repeat myself when it comes to the things I struggle with. No, I didn't read enough. No, I didn't pray enough. Say the right things. Do the right things when people are watching. And never really experience what life really is. We are wrong. This isn't it. That's not it. I don't believe this is it. I believe we're meant to live a life on fire. I do. A life on fire. A life of passion, joy, excitement. I believe we're meant to see God do incredible things as we walk out his purpose. His purpose for us, but guess what? His purpose in this world. He's doing things. He's doing things in your life. He's doing things in the lives of those you care about. He's doing things in your church, in your family, in your friends. God is doing things in this world. Even though it seems out of control, God is doing things. Because the end result, listen to me, is going to happen. If our life is a fire, we don't just need new wood. You need new wood. We need to be lit on fire. Because what's the purpose of new fuel if it just sits there cold? That's, you know what that is? That's one of our favorite words. That's potential. I don't want to live a life that has potential. I want to live a life that's on fire and doing something. As I get older, the word potential is actually sad to me. The word potential is a reminder of you could do that, but you're not. We need to be lit on fire. We need to be reignited. You want to be a person who truly lives? You want to be a part of a church that's community-shaping and world-altering? Honestly. Because if not, what do you want? Religion isn't fun. And if you're one of those people that likes it, you probably, I was going to joke about you really organize people because I'm completely opposite, right? You like to index your note cards twice. Whatever, that's cool. Religion isn't for me and it's not for most of us because it isn't alive. And by religion, if you're confused by what I mean, Christianity is religion. Yes, it is by the definition, but I mean just the acts and the, the appearance. You want to be a person who lives and shapes the world and community uh, already some of you are like, oh my God, no, that's not realistic. Okay, then go back to your video games and your sleep and your decaf coffee and whatever else it is that you're doing to feel like you're living life. Until that moment when you're sitting there again realizing that life is supposed to be more than this. Why is it every time you get what the world tells you you want, it's never enough? The new job, the new house, the new wife, the new car, the new money, whatever it is, it's never enough. Then it's the next thing. One of the things I tell people in premarital counseling often is, what's next? That's my last thing I ask them. I say, what's next? And they often say, what do you mean? I said, okay, your entire moment for the past six months has been building up to this moment. Now what? It has to be more than that. Life has to be more than that. It is meant to be more than that. You have to reignite your faith in life. We need to burn, listen to me, so bright and hot, no matter your age, no matter young, old, or in between, so bright and hot that we can't help but catch fire on the ones around us. That by their presence close to us, the people, because each one of you has a circle. You have people that rub shoulders with you that don't rub shoulders with me. 
We need you to be that way. The question is, how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we reignite a dead faith? How do we reignite something that feels so, uh, The first thing you have to do is accept and believe the fact that it's possible. This, let me tell you what the Bible doesn't say. Bob got up. He went to work. He went to church. He faked a smile. He went home. He ate. He went to sleep. Bob did that for 103 years. And then Bob went with God. Now the book of Billy. Billy got up, went to work. You see what I'm saying? Why is that? If that's what life was meant to be, could the God of the universe not tell you that? You think he's setting you up? Sometimes we think that, don't we? He's lying. The question is, how do we reignite ourselves? Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. When you got it, say, I got it. Usually Bethany. Let's see if she gets there. Not today. I don't know why you're apologizing. (laughs) Romans chapter 12. There we go. Uh, We're going to start with, uh, we're going to read verse 1 and 2, and then we're going to jump down to verse 9 in case you're using an electronic version. But he says, this is Paul writing to the church where? I'm just seeing if you're listening. Rome. Romans. Come on, guys. Yes, Rome. He's writing to the church in Rome. Now, the book of Romans is an awesome book. I feel like uh, Paul uses Romans and Corinthians to a degree to pretty much explain the whole thing. This is what it's about. I, re- I tell everyone, you're going to start somewhere, start with the Gospel of John, right, one of the Gospels, and then you can hop into Romans or First Corinthians, probably First Corinthians Romans, because that's it. If you had those, you're going to kind of get what's happening, at least the bare bones. So here's what he says. He says, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's conformed to this age, right? Most of the time we're going to say it this way. Conformed to this age means people that don't believe. That's true. They have a completely different set of beliefs, right? But let me ask you this. What if this age tells the church to live a dead faith? to accept mediocrity, to accept cold, lifeless things. What if that's part of this age? Business, right? Let's run it like a business and approach it like a business. I'll go to work today. What if that's being conformed as well? I think it is. Be transformed by the new of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Hmm. Verse 9. He then goes very specific. He says, love must be without hypocrisy. Don't just say you love, love people. Detest evil. That's a strong word. Hey, I want you to kind of dislike evil. Detest it. Cling to what is good. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Oof, I like that. Right? Hey, show each other honor. Okay. I gave him honor. He knows it. Keep outdoing each other. You want to compete? Compete who can honor each other better. Do not lack diligence. Be disciplined, right? Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints and their needs. Pursue hospitality. Share with the saints. Who are the saints? You. Not St. Peter, St. Paul, or whoever else. If you're in this room and you're a Christian then the Bible says you are a saint. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's a tough one for me, right? Used to be for sure. Still a little. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Care about people. Be in agreement with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. Try. If possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for his wrath, for it is written, Vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you'll be heaping fiery coals on his head. Let me stop. Unrelated to this, that's confusing to people, right? 
When you love somebody that hates you, guess what? It just annoys them. It makes them uncomfortable. It makes them start going, what is going on here? Right? And you just keep loving. And eventually, that hot coal is going to make them do something to get it off. You get what I'm saying? Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. As an aside, I could do a whole thing on this. In order to conquer evil with good and not be conquered by evil, there has to be a definition of what evil and good is. It's not dependent and subjective on what someone believes. There is evil and there is good, period. That's a huge section. I give it to you because if nothing else, I want you to go home and read that, and you want to live a life on fire, then do that. Do that and see what happens. That's what a life on fire looks like. And then... When you're on fire and you're affecting everyone around you, you're going to start seeing incredible things. Life takes on a different meaning. We could go one by one here. But instead, because I know I only have so long. I don't know what the stats are before you guys lose interest. You're like, I'm already there. No, stay with me. All right? I'm going to give you, I know, list people. It's been a while. I'm back. Sydney just goes, I'm one of them. Yeah, List people. I have, oh boy, I don't even know my own notes. I got eight things. You ready? Reigniting your life. Who wants to reignite their life for real? Who wants to live a life of passion? Yeah. I'm going to give you eight things that are going to help you reignite your life. Deal? Who's excited? Yeah, I'll take it. Here we go. Before I start, though, this is very, very important. It's italicized on my notes, which means don't forget, Todd. It's not about what you want to do in a moment. What do I mean by that? It's about what you need to do, okay? So what do I mean by that? If I go and I stack wood and I walk away and I say, I want fire. And then I just look at it. Well, I don't really feel like going and like getting a lighter. That's a lot of effort. What if I burn myself? I don't really want to rearrange the wood. That takes work. I'd rather play a game. Right? When you want fire, it doesn't matter what you think, believe, or feel. If you're cold, you got to do certain things to get fire. If you want fire, stop worrying about whether you enjoy the process. Practice the process so you know you'll get fire. Does that make sense? A lot of times when I say these things, you guys get caught up in your Christianese life. Because some of these are going to be like, I know this, Todd. You know it, but you don't do it. You know why you don't do it? Because you don't want to do it. You want the effects of being close to God without being close to God. You want to live a life of passion, a life where you see incredible things, a life where you feel alive, but you don't want to do anything. And then you want to complain, right? That life is what it is. I know this, not because I'm judging, because I am that guy. Number one, commit to prayer. You're not going to get it on the screen. You know I'm not that organized. Commit to prayer. Commit to prayer. Don't just say, don't view prayer. I have this all the time. Some of you in this room, you know why you don't like to pray? Because you got all this pressure on it. This is prayer to you. Holy Father, thou art fine, and thy giveth the best gifts. Lord, have mercy on thy servant. I'm pretty good at that, aren't I? Yeah, it's still exhausting. Prayer is talking to the Father. That's what it says. In all prayers and petitions, Bring them to the Father. Everything. I had a good friend ask me, Todd, do you ever get, do you ever want to ask, do you ever feel bad for asking the same things? I'm like, no, because that's my dad, and he told me I can ask him. If I'm scared of the dark one night, I'm probably going to be scared of the dark the next night. It's okay to go to him and tell him that. God wants us to rely on him, guys. Not because he's arrogant, but because he's the only one who knows what we need, and he's the only one who has both the willingness and the capability to give us what we need. He is the only one that can give you life. So if you want life, and you want real life, you've got to go to the source. If you're thirsty, you go to water. If you want life, you go to the life giver. That's it. I can't tell you what it means and how it works and why we do it. I know that he teaches us and transforms us. And yes, he answers our petitions, the things we ask. But there's something else that happens. When we are in constant communication with the Father, it changes our life. He stops becoming just this figure that we come to and kind of weirdly talk about that we can't see. And he becomes the living God. 
Well, I don't feel like talking to him. I don't like prayer. Well, then quit whining. That's like saying I'm thirsty, but I don't want to go to the sink. That is what it is. Quit relying on what you feel like doing in the moment and understand the reality of the situation. If you're a Christian in this room, it's already halfway there. You've already admitted that God is God and you are not. So do what you need to do. And also in prayer, it combats our natural tendency to try to supply our own fire to be God. Because see, that's the trick. Hey, be your own God. Supply your own life. And it works for a little bit. That's like the pursuit of the new car, the new relationship, the money, the marriage, all of these things. Yeah, and it's fun, and those aren't bad things. But if you go to those things for life, you will come away dead. It can't give it to you guys. I say that from experience. I lived life old enough to know the difference pre-Christ and after him. And even after him, I chased other things. It's dead. Commit to prayer. So, not just leave you there, I challenge you. I did this last week. I challenge you every day. Every day. If all you can do right now, because you're like, you know, when, when you, some of you have babies, right? When Jackson's walking, we're not going to tell him that he needs to sprint a marathon the first day. That's impossible. We're going to be happy if he takes one step, right? So, here, you can't really, you don't know what to do, then just say to him tomorrow, God, I don't know how to pray. Help me. And maybe the next day you say, Lord, uh, thank you for letting me breathe today. Lord, I'm scared today. God, please move in my marriage. God, show me you're real because I'm doubting lately. Just keep building on it. Every day in this room, I challenge you. I dare you. That would get me. To every day, well, I'm not a Christian. I don't care. He still hears you. I'm not afraid to tell you to ask him to show himself to you. But here's the thing. If you ask him to show himself to you, be prepared for him to show himself to you. Pray every day. I challenge you. Let's start there. 2020. Number two, this is the one I get in trouble with. You ready? Number two, go to church. Now, here's where I tell you that I'm different. I'm too stubbornly prideful to beg you to come here. I don't care where you go. Go to church. There's a lot of good churches out there, okay? There's a lot of churches preaching the truth. There's a lot of them out there. But here's the thing. It's not fast food church. Well, today I want a KFC burger. Tomorrow I want a Church of the Nazarene. The next day I want a little remnant sandwich. You know, what? pick a church and commit to it. Go to church. It's a fascinating thing to me. I was that guy, okay? I'll say it. I'll say it. I was that guy. I was a believer 100%. Can't tell me back, but I didn't like it. I didn't like somebody telling me why. What I really wanted, one, I was hurt by other Christians. I was cool with God and Jesus. I didn't like other Christians. You guys were mean. And you sat back during sermons and looked angry the whole time. Oh, I got you. I could see you. People are like, Todd, do you ever see people? No, I only see the grumpy faces. That's the truth. The rest of you is kind of a blur. And then there's that person. And the thing that confuses me is like, why are you here? I didn't come to your house and ask you to come. You're welcome, by the way. You're welcome to be here. Anyway, go to church. God says to do it. Todd, um, no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. It says, do not neglect to meet as is the habit of many. Go to church. You want to know why it doesn't talk about that? It doesn't talk about the going to church a lot in the New Testament because it was unfathomable to the apostles that people wouldn't go and gather to worship. They couldn't even imagine a world where that, they would even have to be told to do that because they wanted to be. Well, Todd, um, that's my only day of rest. No, you're a fibber. you got six days of the week that you can pick. Go to church. Your excuses don't hold up when it's God who says to do it. I imagine sometimes we're going to go to heaven, and God's going to be like, hey, um, you're, you know, I love you. Got your room. Just wanted to know, um, why didn't you come to my house, right? Told you to. And you're going to go, Lord, you know that um, Sunday's the only day that I can cro crochet. That is the only day, you know, um, that football's playing, right? And I'm, you know I love football, right? Um, that is the only day, Lord. Like, that's, I, I know I've, I've done this long enough now, which is really scary, that I've gotten to see the patterns. People tend to do the week on, week off thing. I'm going to be here enough that nobody's going to say anything, right? Well, Todd, I was here two weeks ago. I'm here 26 weeks of the year. You're going to see me. Go to church. Well, I don't feel like it. Who cares? 
I don't, you don't feel like taking medicine when you're sick either, but you do it because it makes you better. Go to church. You want to be on fire? You've got to be around other believers. Because sometimes when your ember starts to die, you've got to have something hot by you to, right? Accountability, love, encouragement. This is the place you come to be trained, um, repaired, healed, hugged, loved, so that when you leave here, you're back on mission, ready to roll. I was that lone wolf for a long time, and it was disastrous. I didn't tell you that the other reason I didn't want to go is I didn't want accountability. I didn't want somebody asking me what I was doing and where I was going. Go to church. Very, very simple. People make time for what's important to them. You don't want to go to work every day, but you want that money. You want that money. One of the things I often say to people, I do this myself. Be real with yourself. Be real with yourself. Look in the mirror and ask yourself if you'd use that same excuse with your boss. I had a runny nose. Well, Todd, you're supposed to love us, which means you accept everything we say. Right? I can't control you. Do what you want to do. Understand reality. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but Christians go to church. You need it. We need each other. On and on. I can give you a hundred verses. It's an honor to worship with your brothers and sisters, not a chore. I just heard a pastor in China was arrested, charged. He's a leader of the biggest. Uh, by the way, there's a million Christians in China. A million. Can you imagine that? A million Christians in China meeting in secret because they can be arrested. They arrested this guy. He's in jail for nine years. Nine years. And that's not comfy jail. He knew that when he was meeting and leading and doing all these things. Why did he do it? Because it's an honor to hear the word of God. It's an honor to be with your brothers and sisters. We are spoiled. And Lord forbid there come a time in this country when you face real persecution. That's when we'll find out what Jesus meant when he said, the way, the path is narrow that leads to life and few will find it. Go to church. Number three, make time for God's word. Read it. Read the Bible. I hear this all the time. I don't like to read. I don't like to run. Right? But I want to be able to breathe when I'm playing basketball. Right? So I run. Okay? You don't like going to work, but you do it because you want the money, because you don't want to be homeless. On and on and on. Make time for God's word. Again, this is something I can sit here and tell you uh, what part you'll understand is you want to know who God is. That's how you know. See, the beautiful thing about God's word is it never changes. You can be like, is it God talking to me? Is it something else? Is it my own desires? Well, the first place you go is the Bible because God will never contradict his word. Right? I mean, how incredible that the God of the universe said, you don't have to go by what you feel every day. Here is truth that you can sit and rest on and cling to when the world tells you crazy stuff. How are you going to combat the lies? When you hate yourself, when you think you're worthless, when you think you're not good enough, when you think God hates you, how are you going to know any different? How are you going to be able to tell yourself the truth if you don't know the truth? This all leads. It's like another match. Right? That's fire sound. When you know, when you pray, when you go to church, when you make time for God's word, guys, you're starting that process. God has told us that you want what they want, then do what they do. Do what they did. So one, you know who God is and what he wants for his kingdom. But there's something crazy that happens. It says it's living. It somehow changes us. I don't get it either. God uses it to change us. If you're a Christian in this room, you know what I mean because there's times you're struggling and it's true. And you go and then you might have three, four, five days in a row, bad days. You suddenly read God's word and nothing changes except you. And your day is not as bad. It's a reminder. There's something supernatural that happens when we consume God's word. I've always loved Psalm 1 is really interesting. People don't, I don't, maybe a lot of you don't view it this way. Psalm 1, I won't read the whole thing, but it talks about he who follows God's commands, right? He who meditates on his word is like a tree planted between two streams, right? Always close to life, always healthy, always getting what it wants, or I mean what it needs, I love that picture. It's a reminder to me that when I feel like it or not, that I need the word of God like a tree needs water. Number four, worship. 
Stop being grumpy. Worship. That means when we're singing, I don't listen, you don't want to raise your hand, you don't want to dance, you don't want to whatever, but whatever it is, don't lie to yourself. Worship him. Fight those things off. Give him praise. What does that mean, Todd? It means tell him and thank him for the goodness that he is. Let yourself sit in that for a moment of how big he is in relation to you. And even though you're this small, he loves you this much. Worship him. Worship him with your life. But I mean actually worship him in song. Do it. Music's a powerful thing. You know how I know that? Because you all listen to it. It affects us. Listen and worship God. Make time for that every day. Because when that happens, man, it's just, I don't know how to put into words, guys, some of it. It's just, Scripture talks about it. Whenever people saw God, they fell to their face and worshiped him. Saw him, right? They didn't even see him face to face. Give him praise. Do it when you don't feel like it. I will praise you in this storm, right? I worship you in the valley and on the mountain. He is still good. Worship him. Number five, another non-popular one. Invest in community. Well, Todd, why didn't you say take community? No, invest in community. Have poor, uh, let yourself be in relationships with people. Allow, have people in your life that you're transparent with. Sunday is not enough. Two hours on a Sunday is not enough, and that's not what the New Testament authors would have expected. Acts chapter 2, if you've been at the remnant, you know we bring it up all the time. That's our model. It says their number was added to daily because they saw how they loved each other. How are they going to see how we love each other if we're not together? Sometimes community isn't even for you, it's for others. Allow yourself to be transparent. Allow yourself to share your struggles. I'm not saying with everyone, find someone. Which, how do you find people that are Christians who might be able to carry your burdens like the Bible says? Oh yeah, go to church. That's it. I have so many people that come in and say, I'm just not connected. If you say you're not connected at the remnant, you, you not, not only are you not trying, you're actively trying not to be connected. Because we're annoying. Okay, we are annoying people. We want, we, want to, we, we want to hang out with you. Do I want to hang out with you every day? No, but I'll do it. Okay? Sometimes I feel like people think, because I, t- I don't even like the title pastor, but because I work here, like, Todd must always love being in community. No, I don't. No, I don't. Some of you are grumpy. And i got to still try to be happy when you're looking at me so mad because, I don't know, you stubbed your toe that morning. And i got to care about it. And I do. Right? I'm over here, i got a foot off, and you're like, Todd, I just don't know why you don't care about my toe. I'm like, I do, man. I'm just bleeding to death. Right? Be in community. Focus. Allow, allow someone to know your flaws, your addictions. Addictions aren't just drugs and they're not just alcohol. They're not even just porn or sex. They're patterns of life. They're things you do to feel safe. They're, fake, they're things you run to for false life, right? And I mean even, guys, I don't know, I... And ladies, guys, you need to have someone in your life. You ready for something that will change your life? I'm trying to give you some tangible. All this is tangible, but like some of you want like something, something I don't know. Okay, listen. You want to be on fire. You've got to be free. You've got to be in community. You've got to have someone that you can be completely transparent with so you're not weighed down by those secrets. In order to do that, you have to have someone in your life that you could walk up to and say, and you're willing to hear the answer, hey, how do I come across? Like for real. And you know, like, don't go find the guy that hates you, right? (laughs) Or the girl. But also don't find the one that's always going to tell you the good things. Find somebody that knows you well enough, that is willing to love you enough to tell you the truth. How do I come across? And keep asking them until the day they say, you come across like Jesus. You can only have that when you're in community. Some of you are so afraid of community. And so you hide beneath your excuses, just like church. And it breaks my heart. I'm not mad at you. See, that's the thing. I've had people come and go, Todd makes everyone do stuff, and they're cult, and blah, 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 blah. I don't care what you do. The reason I tell you is because it's good for you. It makes me sad that I watch you look brokenhearted, carrying the burdens of your life that you're too afraid to tell anyone every single week. It legitimately breaks my heart. Because if you've ever been lonely, you don't want other people to be lonely. 
people in this room that come to church every Sunday are lonely because you won't live in real community. But community is about investment. You offer community to get community. Community is something that we work to build together. But you have to quit hiding. You have to take a chance. I was talking to a dear friend of mine, and we were talking about trust. C.S. Lewis says it. That would have been a good quote, but the the gist of the the quote is, C.S. Lewis says, you may have heard it. I love him, right? My dead mentor. And he essentially says this. He says, if you, of course, to love is to hurt. If you don't want to hurt, then you might as well bury your love in a casket and put it in the ground because you can't love anything. You can't even love an animal. And in that place, in that casket, I'm paraphrasing, you're right, you won't get hurt, but you will become something cold and hard and lifeless. You cannot have love without community, even with your spouse. You have a community with your spouse. Some of you say you want relationship, but you can't even have community with people. You can't have that level of intimacy when you can't have any level of intimacy. Find someone this year. Invest in a relationship, at least one. Pour into other people. Be that person to someone else until you find someone who they can come to you and say, how do I come across? And you love them enough to tell them. It's also a way to overcome those addictions, right? You have, to, you have to be real. And sometimes we're blind to our own stuff. Number six, serve slash look for ways to love. Serve slash look for ways to love. Remember that verse that says, outdo each other in showing honor. Guys, when we do what God told us to do, God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love us with yourself. It says the Bible over and over, I just told you a section, it's all in there. Look for ways to love each other, serve each other. You want to be, he who wants to be great among you must be a servant to all. Look for ways to love people. When you look for ways to love people, you become outward focused. When you become outward focused, all of that inward junk starts to become smaller. You don't have time to focus on your your faults and your fears and your shame when you're too busy loving and serving and making impact in your community and with the people you love. You don't have time. It reminds us of our mission and purpose. We become Jesus. We become what we are, Christians. Christians. Do something. Well, I'm shy. Okay. Clean something. You see what I mean? Look for ways. Don't just wait for it. Look for things to do. Look for people to serve and love in your community and around you. Look for the sad people, the people alone sitting at a table, the people that come in last and leave first. Look for those people and talk to them and love them. Well, it's awkward. Who cares? Because when you were that person, symbolically or in reality, Jesus found you and he came to you. Look for ways to love. Number seven, forgive. You want to live a life on fire, then you have to get rid of that junk that's stopping you from being on fire. And in order to do that, you must forgive. Forgive others and forgive ourselves. Right? The person we often struggle to forgive the most is ourselves. That's not what God wants. God has already forgiven us. Well, Todd, you're telling me, the first thing I always get, you're saying I should forgive a murderer? Listen, yes. Does that mean you're going to be best friends with the murderer? No. But somebody should. Forgiveness is a daily act. It's not a one-time thing that makes you feel good about the person. It's every day choosing to love and forgive. What did it say? Right? Love your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. How do you bless them? Just say, bless you, good sir. No, do something. Forgive. And forgive yourselves. Guys, please. Quit carrying a cross. Quit carrying a cross that Jesus already took. Quit carrying weight that's already been taken. Quit punishing yourself for something that was already forgiven. Quit trying to finish something that was already finished. Forgive yourselves. Because when you don't forgive yourself, it just puts you in a box and it makes you unable to burn, right? Because you're afraid to. Forgive others and forgive yourselves. Does forgiveness mean I have to be in relationship with that person again? No, it doesn't. But it means you stop hating them and you stop wanting bad for them. 
See, sometimes Christians will abuse the idea of forgiveness and mean that implies we have to allow ourselves to continue to get hurt and to continue to get broken, right? And you have to be with me. That's what forgiveness is. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is a choice, right? Forgiveness is a choice not to want bad for someone. Christians are awesome at talking about forgiveness. They are not awesome at being forgiven. Because, you know, me and my friend Ernie, I said this, it's a great conversation. I'll never forget that first year, and we had a conversation about that. What's the thing you don't want to forgive? Because that's what Jesus is talking about. That thing to you that you can't understand if you could forgive is exactly the radical forgiveness he's telling you you're supposed to do. Then you understand. Because that's what he did for us. Because it's, it's that comparable. If you are not a forgiving person, I'm going to say this in the room, if you call yourself a Christian, and not only don't forgive, but actively choose to harm another believer, I'm not sure you've ever been forgiven. That's a fact. You are a Pharisee. And if you want to know what Jesus thinks about those types of people, go look it up. But he even offers you life. You can be a whitewashed tomb, or you can be forgiven and clean. Inside out. Number eight, this one is one I'm passionate about. Live passionately and radically. One word if you only want to write one. Believe. Live this like it's real. Be a lunatic for the kingdom. I'm serious. What do you mean, Todd? The people, you know, some, we make fun of those people out on the street preaching. You do. Man, they're crazy. At least they're living like it's real. Live like this is real. Live like Jesus is saying, go to that guy and say my name. Go to the guy in the corner. Go to the scary guy. Go into the situation that's ugly. Go into the mess. Bring light to dark places. What if they hate me? They're going to anyway. They hated me. They will hate you. He said that. If they don't hate you, if someone doesn't hate you, I don't think you're following him. I'm sorry. Well, Todd, it says be at peace with everyone. He said, as best you can. You know why he said that? Because there are going to be people, it doesn't matter what you do, they hate you for what you stand for. Live like it's real. Stop lying to yourself. Guys, I'm telling you, live like the God of the universe came down as a man, lived a perfect life, died on a cross so that you could live forever, and has entrusted you with the message to tell other people about it. Live like that. Every day, wake up and say, I am literally, live like you're, like the Bible says, hey, our battle's not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. There's things you can't see right now happening. Live like it, because that's the truth. Allow yourself every day to approach life that way. You're not just going to work at McDonald's, you're going to the mission field. You're going into a dark place. You're not just making a widget in a factory, Right? You are a living stone. You are a home of the almighty God. You are a high priest. And he has sent you into that factory to be him to people that don't know him. Live like it. Well, it might cost me something. It might cost you something. But there's a cost to being on fire. Because really hot fires affect the things around them. Right? That's just reality. Live like it's real. Because it is. What if you don't feel it? Doesn't change that it's real. What if I'm sad? Doesn't change that it's real. What if I'm lonely? Doesn't change that it's real. What if I hate my job? Doesn't change that it's real. It's real. Live like it. Let me ask you this. I don't know if you're in the room. Is your life cold, dull, and gray? You're a Christian. I used to be. I am. I was. You just wake up and do the same thing every day. Do you find yourself asking, is this it? Do you want to walk that's on fire? Do you want to live? You know what's funny? I don't even have to explain it to 99% of you. know what I mean when I say live a real life. Do you want to be reignited? God isn't holding out on you. We are offered real life through Jesus, a living, joyful, amazing life. Jesus says, right, peace, patience, Joy, love, all of these things are fruits of the Spirit. You've heard me say it before. Apple trees grow apples, and Christians are peaceful, joyful, and all of those things. That's what you are. Live like it. Live like it. Life isn't about you. You're third. 
It's about God, other people, and then you. What if nobody takes care of me? Well, if everybody's doing that, somebody's going to take care of you. And even if they don't, God will. So you're going to play some music. We're going to offer a really short altar time because, frankly, I don't know. I even said, honestly, you want to talk about being alive? Like, some of you just, like, you're, this is just the time before we close up and you get to go home. That's really what it is. I'm not silly. I, look, I, I sit back there and watch you look at your watch and giggle and laugh and look at your phone and all. That's fine. Or be angry. You grumpy-faced people, I see you. But I want to give it anyway. This is called, this is altar time. This is the time where it's between you and God to respond however you want to respond. I don't know what that looks like. Do you guys want real life? Because you have to be willing to start the fire and to keep it burning. You have to be willing to be reignited. Do you want to be reignited? Do you want it enough to ask for it? Do you want it enough to put these things into practice? Do you want it enough to look look weird? Do you want it enough to look radical? Do you want it enough to live this out like it's real? It starts with, remember, it starts with talking to God. It starts with asking, God, help me to, to be alive again. I know I'm alive, Lord. Help me to remember I'm alive. It's, I think about it all the time. I'm, just, I'm not going to look at my notes. I think about it all the time. Like, is this it? Why are we so sad? Why is life so dull and boring? Why, why, why? Why does everybody run to all these things? Why do I? Because I don't, I'm not willing uncomfortable for a moment to be on fire you got to come to the end of yourself you got to let go of the arrogance and the appearances and all those things you do and all those things you pretend you got to be willing to throw it aside and ask the living God to start you on fire to give you life for a lot of you in this room it means forgiving yourself and accepting that he's already forgiven you that you don't have to carry that weight anymore. Well, Todd, I do it over and over and over again. So did Peter. That today, today you can be reignited. Today you can be reminded. Today you can walk out of here and, and, and start the first day of 2020 on fire and live that way. us run from God because we think that his forgiveness is conditional and we think we're not forgiven and we think we're not loved anymore and we, we think that we are named by our sins and our mistakes. That changes our name. It's funny that we don't call, you know, I know I've seen the meme, but when we talk about King David, we don't say, there's King David the murderer, the adulterer. No, that's the man after God's own heart books about that. Isn't that wild? I want to be a David man. But we don't believe it for ourselves. It's the same message. He's the same God. So we people up here ready to pray for you. I know it feels weird. But they're here to pray for you because a lot of times we need that because sometimes we don't have the words for ourselves, do we? We just know our heart hurts. Bible says that, you know, it says a lot of things. Confess your sins to one another and you'll be healed. You know, let your, um, carry each other's burdens and this way you fulfill the law of Christ. All these things. Pray for each other. My friends, listen, I know, I know you're zoned out. Listen to me. God loves you. Right now. Right now. God doesn't want you to live in this, in the shackles anymore and in the cage and in the hurt and the brokenness and the loneliness and the questioning and all the things that you live in and the fear. He doesn't want that for you. And you can point out a thousand things I've said wrong today and a thousand ways I've annoyed you, but it doesn't change the reality of the message that God loves you today. And nothing you can do can change it because it was finished. live under the weight that he already took those are lies if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus 
Maybe you fooled everyone, including me. Maybe I know you and you say, oh, they thought I knew them, but I don't know them. I've never experienced life. You can today. God came down. He made everything. This is the good news. He made everything perfect, but he said, you get to rule all this in my name, and I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be with you and live with you, but let me be God and you be man. I'll take care of the hard parts. I'll tell you what right and wrong is, and we rejected that, and that's when sin entered the world. Sin is all the brokenness and the nastiness and the hurt and the evil. All of those things that's everywhere, that is sin. And even if we clean up all the things on the outside, right, all your bad qualities, there's something inside of us that's not right. We have an infection. That's why other religions constantly, like it's every religion's about fixing the outside, right? Let me fix it. Let me fix it. I'll fix it. And it never works. Because you have to clean the inside of the cup before the outside. And the only one that has the ability to do that is the one who made the cup. The one who can see inside of it and the one who wants to enter into it. And God himself came down in the form of a man in the midst of our sin and our brokenness. When we were at our most helpless, Jesus Christ. And he told us what the truth is so that we don't ever have to wonder, does he love me? No, he told me. Does he forgive me? No, he told me. His word never changes. He told us what the kingdom's like. But then he opened the door. In order to do that, someone had to pay the price for our mistakes. The Bible says that we store up wrath. Our sin has stored up wrath, a holy God. And what it says is that without someone taking that punishment, we have to take it. And this, this, this God-man, this innocent, perfect God-man, who did nothing wrong, died a horrible physical death and was put on the cross and was rejected by the Father so that you never have to be crying out more lonely than you'll ever know my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Separated from the Father so that you don't ever have to be. Because even if you hate God right now, you've never been separated from Him fully. You haven't. That's what happens in hell. How do I get that, Todd? The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. That means you got to say it. you got to believe it. Jesus, I know I've done wrong. I know I've failed you, God. I believe you. I don't know what it looks like. I don't get it all, but I believe you. Forgive me. You're saved. Seems easy, isn't it? It is easy, but it wasn't cheap. So whatever you do today, however you walk out of these doors into 2020, be different. Be alive. Whether you know him and you're alive, but you're embers, or whether you never have and you need to live, do not leave here today the same you came in, because if you do, you're choosing to.